This is section 125 of Newspaper Articles by Mark Twain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Newspaper Articles by Mark Twain, section 125, The Galaxy, December 1870, part 3. The Galaxy, December 1870, Memoranda, by Mark Twain. The Present Nuisance. To be the editor of any kind of a newspaper, either country or metropolitan, but very especially the former, is a position which must be trying to a good-natured man, because it makes him an object of charity whether or no. It makes him the object of a peculiar and humiliating, because an interested, charity, a charity thrust upon him with offensive assurance and a perfectly unconcealed, taken for granted, that it will be received with gratitude, and the donor accounted a benefactor, and at the very same time the donor's chief motive, his vulgar self-interest, is left as frankly unconcealed. The country editor offers his advertising space to the public at the trifle of one dollar and a half or two dollars a square, first insertion, and one would suppose his patrons would be satisfied with that. But they are not. They puzzle their thin brains to find out some still cheaper way of getting their wares celebrated, some way whereby they can advertise virtually for nothing. They soon hit upon that meanest and shabbiest of all contrivances for robbing a gentle-spirited scribbler, viz. the conferring upon him of a present and begging a notice of it, thus pitifully endeavoring to not only invade his sacred editorial columns, but get ten dollars' worth of advertising for fifty cents' worth of merchandise, and on top of that leave the poor creature burdened with a crushing debt of gratitude. And so the corrupted editor, having once debauched his independence and received one of these contemptible presents, wavers a little while the remnant of his self-respect is consuming, and at last abandons himself to a career of shame, and prostitutes his columns to notices of every sort of present that a stingy neighbor chooses to inflict upon him. The confectioner insults him with forty cents' worth of ice-cream, and he lavishes four squares of editorial compliments on him. The grocer insults him with a bunch of overgrown radishes and a dozen prize turnips, and gets an editorial paragraph perfectly putrid with gratitude. The farmer insults him with three dollars' worth of peaches, or a beet like a man's leg, or a watermelon like a channel buoy, or a cabbage, in many respects like his own head, and expects a third of a column of exuberant imbecility, and gets it. And these trivial charities are not respectfully and gracefully tendered, but are thrust in silently upon the victim, and with an air that plainly shows that the victim will be held to a strict accountability in the next issue of his paper. I am not an editor of a newspaper, and shall always try to do right and be good, so that God will not make me one. But there are some persons who have got the impression, somehow, that I am that kind of character, and they treat me accordingly. They send me a new-fangled wheelbarrow, and ask me to notice it or a peculiar boot-jack, and ask me to notice it, or a sample of coffee, and ask me to notice it, or an article of furniture worth eight or ten dollars, or a pair of crutches, or a truss, or an artificial nose, or a few shillings worth of rubbish of the vegetable species, and here lately, all in one day, 
I received a barrel of apples, a thing to milk cows with, a basket of peaches, a box of grapes, a new sort of wooden leg, and a patent composition gravestone. Notices requested. A barrel of apples, a cow milker, a basket of peaches, and a box of grapes, all put together are not worth the bore of writing a notice, nor a tenth part of the room the notice would take up in the paper, and so they remained unnoticed. I had no immediate use for the wooden leg, and would not have accepted a charity gravestone if I had been dead and actually suffering for it when it came. So I sent those articles back. I do not want any of these underhanded, obligation-inflicting presents. I prefer to cramp myself down to the use of such things as I can afford, and then pay for them. And then, when a citizen needs the labor of my hands, he can have it, and I will infallibly come on him for damages. The ungraceful custom, so popular in the back settlements, of facetiously wailing about the barren pockets of editors, is the parent of this uncanny present-inflicting, and it is time that the guild that originated the custom, and now suffer in pride and purse from it, reflected that decent and dignified poverty is thoroughly respectable, while the flaunting of either a real or pretended neediness in the public face, and the bartering of nauseating puffs for its legitimate fruit of charitable presence, are as thoroughly indelicate, unbecoming, and disreputable. The Galaxy, December 1870. Memoranda by Mark Twain. Dogberry in Washington. Some of the decisions of the Post Office Department are eminently luminous. It has, in times gone by, been enacted that author's manuscript should go through the mails for a trifling postage—newspaper postage, in fact. A calm and dispassionate mind would gather from this that the object had in view was to facilitate and foster newspaper correspondence, magazine writing, and literature generally, by discontinuing a tax in the way of postage, which had become very burdensome to gentlemen of the quill. Now, by what effort of good, old, well-meaning, grandmotherly dullness does the reader suppose the postal authorities have rendered that wise and kindly decree utterly null and void, and solemnly funny? By deciding that author's manuscript does not mean anything but manuscript intended to be made into a bound book, all pamphlets, magazines, and newspapers ruled out. Thus we are expected to believe that the original regulation was laboriously got up to save two dollars' worth of postage to two authors in a year, for probably not more than that number of manuscript books are sent by mail to publishers each year. Such property is too precious to trust to any conveyance but the author's own carpet-sack, as a general thing. But, granting that one thousand manuscript books went to the publishers in a year, and thus saved to one thousand authors a dollar apiece in postage in the twelve months, would not a law whose whole aim was to accomplish such a trifle as that be simply an irreverent pleasantry, and not proper company to thrust among grave and weighty statutes in the law-books? The matter which suggested these remarks can be stated in a sentence. Once or twice I have sent magazine manuscripts from certain cities, on newspaper rates, as author's manuscript, but in Buffalo the postmaster requires full-letter postage. He claims no authority for this save decisions of the post-office department. He showed me the law itself, 
but even the highest order of intellectual obscurity backed by the largest cultivation outside of a post-office department could not find it in authority for the decisions aforementioned and i ought to know because i tried it myself i say that not to be trivially facetious when talking in earnest but merely to take the word out of the mouths of certain cheap witlings who always stand ready in any company to interrupt any one whose remark offers a chance for the exhibition of their poor wit and worse manners i will not say one word about this curious decision or utter one sarcasm or one discourteous speech about it or the well-intending but misguided officer who rendered it but if he were in california he would fare far differently very far differently for there the wicked are not restrained by the gentle charities that prevail in buffalo and so they would deride him and point the finger of scorn at him and address him as old smarty from mud springs indeed they would the galaxy december eighteen seventy memoranda by mark twain in a sandwich island paper just received by mail i learned that some gentlemen of taste and enterprise and also of keokuk iowa have named a fast young colt for me verily one does have to go away from home to learn news the cannibal paper adds that the colt has already trotted his mile of his own accord in two minutes seventeen and a half he was probably going to dinner at the time the idea of naming anything that is fast after me except an anchor or something of that kind is a perfect inspiration of humor if this poor colt could see me trot around the course once he would laugh some of his teeth out he would indeed if he had time to wait till i finished the trip i have seen slower people than i am and more deliberate people than i am and even quieter and more listless and lazier people than i am but they are dead and by that sandwich island paper commercial advertiser i also learned that h m whitney its able editor and proprietor for sixteen years was just retiring from business having sold out to younger men i take this opportunity of thanking the disappearing veteran for courtesies done and information afforded me in bygone days mr whitney is one of the fairest-minded and best-hearted cannibals i ever knew if i do say it myself there is not a stain upon his name and never has been and he is the best judge of a human being i ever saw go through a market many a time i have seen natives try to palm off part of an old person on him for the fragment of a youth but i never saw it succeed ah no there was no deceiving h m whitney he could tell the very family a roast came from if he had ever tried the family before i remember his arresting my hand once and saying let that alone it's from one of those hula hulas a very low family and tough i cannot think of whitney without my mouth watering we used to eat a great many people in those halcyon days which shall come again alas never more we lived on the fat of the land and i will say this for henry whitney he never thought less of his friend after examining into him and he was always sorry when his enemy was gone most of the above may fairly and justly rank as nonsense but my respect and regard for mr whitney are genuine my old friend is married again as i learn from the following notice cut by a correspondent from a cincinnati paper last may rather old news 
but it is a good scattering shot, and cannot fail to fetch some ignorant interested body somewhere, considering the number of brides. Married. Young Martin Pendergast, Jenickson, Cleveland, Martin. In Salt Lake City, Utah, on the 16th alt, in the presence of the Saints, Elder Brigham Young to Mrs. J. R. Martin, Miss L. M. Pendergast, Mrs. R. M. Jenickson, Miss Susie P. Cleveland, and Miss Emily P. Martin, all of the county of Berks, England. The following is genuine, and was cut from the regular advertising columns of a great daily newspaper in a certain city. How many of my little Sunday-school friends can guess the city? Do not all speak at once, or, if you do, do not put the emphasis strong on the second syllable, because it would not be nice for little boys and girls to disturb the continent though people who want divorces are not always the continent. Read. Wanted. Divorces legally obtained without publicity and at small expense. No fee unless decree is obtained. Address P.O. Box 1037. This is the P.O. Box advertised for the past six years, and the owner has obtained 466 divorces during that time. M. Springfield O encloses for the memoranda an inscription copied verbatim from a tombstone in Mount Woods Cemetery, Wheeling, erected to the memory of four little children who died within a few weeks of each other. S. J. of Wheeling also sends a copy of the same. The verses seem to represent a conversation between the parents and the departed. Children dear, what made you go, far away, etc., and leave us in our grief below, far away, etc. You could not find a better home, nor better friends, where'er you roam, since you have left your earthly dome, far away, etc. A heavenly message came for we, all is well, etc., to go and join that glorious glee, all is well, etc. We are members of that band, on a holy pavement we do stand, with a golden trumpet in our hands, all is well, etc. Ye are strangers in that sphere, children dear, etc. You have no friends that you know there, children dear, etc. We wish, we wish we could but see that heavenly palace where you be, and bring you back to live with we, children dear, etc. Dear parents, weep for us no more, all is well, etc. We landed safe on Canaan's shore, all is well, etc. Ah, friends we have, we are well known with saints and angels round the throne, and Jesus claims us as his own. All is well, etc. Quiz Quiz hurls me this, under New York postmark. I met last night on the Podunk Railroad an individual whose characteristics are best indicated by what follows. I handed him the galaxy, directing his attention to your map of Paris, he read your explanations through deliberately, and when he came to that part where you advised standing on the ear or the use of a looking-glass in order to see it properly, he turned to a careful consideration of the map. In a few moments a bright idea struck him. Holding the sheet up to a light, he looked through the reverse side and exclaimed, "'Why, all that ain't necessary after all. All you've got to do is to look at it the wrong way, and it makes it all right.' He read the remainder of your explanation, including certificates, and then returned to the profound study of the map. After a while he burst out, 
why here's a thing that's wrong anyhow you can't get omaha on the west and jersey city on the east they're both west i don't care who says it's right i say it ain't i mildly suggested that jersey city and omaha were a long way apart and probably the longitude had something to do with it for it was impossible to suppose such military critics as general grant and general sherman would not have detected the blunder if it were one he pondered some time ah he said finally it must be the longitude for you see if you go around the world one way you might get omaha on the west while if you went round for jersey city the other way you'd get that on the east i see it it's the longitude does it the above mention of my map of paris calls to mind that that work of art is appreciated among the learned it is duly advertised that whoever sends a club of one hundred subscribers to the yale college current together with the necessary four hundred dollars will receive as a prize a copy of my map i am almost tempted to go canvassing myself all my soul is in art lately since i have been taking lessons in drawing and painting i have drawn and am now engraving an elegant portrait of king william of prussia as a companion to the customary galaxy portraits and to complete the set this work of art with accompanying remarks will appear in the january edition of this magazine end of section one twenty five